Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast, presented by Dead Soxie, hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady, and featuring RebelGrove.com and Rivals.com recruiting analyst Russell Johnson. Awesome! The Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Caution, you are about to enter the no-spin zone. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail, and it does it in style. Just like Dead Soxy. I'm better looking than you. Visit DeadSoxy.com and enter Rebel Grove at checkout for 25% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now here's your host, Neil McCrady. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. I'm Neil McCrady, your host. Uh, today on the show, Josh Himholt of Rivals.com joins. We talk about the recruiting rankings process, uh, kind of talk about the NFL draft, how a national recruiting analyst watches the draft, uh, hits, misses for uh, Josh. It's a really informative, I think pretty interesting interview, about 34 minutes or so. I think you will enjoy it. We'll get to it in a minute. First, let me tell you about Dead Soxy. Warm weather is finally here, and with it comes the inevitable debate of sock or no sock with your loafers save your feet and your shoes from making their own impression step into spring with some no shows from dead soxy today you really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes um i've never been able to wear loafers in the summer just my feet get too hot drives me crazy i did the other day with a pair of no shows made all the difference in the world much better look with your shorts but your feet don't get hot stinky gross Instead, it's uh, nice and cool, and you get all the benefits of loafers without the uh, kind of funk that comes with not wearing socks with them. So go to deadsoxy.com, enter the code REBELGROVE at checkout to receive 30% off all orders, including sale items. These no-shows are the same quality you already love and enjoy with their traditional dress socks, and they come with the no-slip guarantee. So go to deadsoxy.com. Check out their no-show collection, and remember to enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout for 30% off all orders. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call the number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what new Fords you're looking for, and he will hook you up with a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is up to you. Take my advice, get your quote, shop it around if you'd like. You're going to come back to Clark Ford. You get a great uh, product, great service after the sale, um, delivery options. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy, and he'll prove that to you. 662-257-1900. Tell him that you heard about Clark Ford on the Soft, Soft Verbal Podcast, and you will save an additional $500 on your already great deal at Clark Ford in Amory. Now here's Josh Hemholt of Rivals.com. Josh, welcome into the show. Really appreciate you uh, you taking some time. I thought it was interesting the other day. You you had a uh, a pretty detailed uh, story, sort of about the rankings process, and it's one of those topics that comes up a whole lot. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure you've never heard some of the conspiracy theories and whatnot, but they're out there. And um, yet, I, I sort of have been privileged enough to see behind the curtains a little bit, but certainly not to the degree that that you are there. If you would, sort of, and I'll interrupt and ask questions or whatnot, but if you would, sort of take me through the, the process of, a, of the ranking of a kid from, you know, the moment that you're exposed to him to 
the moment that the final rankings are done. Yeah, thanks, Neil, for having me on. I, I, I This Recruiting 101 series was really a desire by me to – I think there's this feeling among fans that, you know, recruiting rankings evaluations are, you know, hush-hush, done behind the curtain, can't take a peek inside. And I really wanted to kind of blow up that mindset and kind of blow up that, um, you know, notion because there's nothing – magical or spe- there's no special formula that we use where things get weighted certain ways and if people i mean if people were to sit in on a rankings call number one they'd be bored to tears in about four seconds flat uh so it wouldn't be good good listening but um if they were it they'd really i think be surprised at how straightforward it is and i i really wanted to pull back that curtain and just kind of really be honest with people about you know, how these rankings come about and how the rating process happens and, you know, dispel some of the, uh, the, the notions that, or the conspiracy theories that, you know, that people have, because I think it's a lot more, and it's certainly something that's not as well understood. And if you don't understand it, you're not as going to be as interested in it. So I want people to continue to be interested in college football rec- recruiting. That's my job. I love it. I, I have a passion for college football recruiting. When I started doing this 16 years ago, my first, I, I had written for a local newspaper before that, but my passion was college football recruiting. And that's why I still do it to this day, even though I'm coming up on the age of 40, uh, which puts me as certainly an old timer in this industry. But uh, I really want people to enjoy the college football recruiting process. And when you don't understand something, and there's a lot of complexity and a lot that seems to be at odds with each other in the college football recruiting process. So to kind of help people wade through those waters and understand the process better was my entire you know, desire and my entire goal with this recruiting 101 series. So I don't know if you want to take a specific kid or you want to take a kid from the past. I'll, I'll, I'll take one from the past that will be of interest to Ole Miss fans that, um, you know, that I know you were very high on from the, the very beginning, and that's Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver from uh, from Crete, Mon- Moni, uh, Crete Monet, I don't know how you pronounce it, uh, there in south of Chicago. So you get exposed to him, and then how does that process start? Well, there are a number of ways. People ask that question a lot. How do you first, how do you find these kids? And they're every way. I mean, sometimes first time I hear of a kid is when he gets his first college football or college offer. Sometimes the first time I I hear of a kid is when I see him at a camp. I knew there's a kid that just won the Harlan Hill. It's interesting because Harlan Hill is Division II Heisman Trophy. And, you know, he's kind of a up where I am in in Michigan, kind of a, a noteworthy guy. And I heard of him when he was in, in middle school. I went and saw him throw when he was in middle school because I went to Detroit Cast Tech, which produces a ton of talent. And, you know, I was just through Detroit Cast Tech, and the coach was like, yeah, watch this kid throw. Yeah. And he ended up having some problems and went to jail, and that's why I ended up Division Two. But, I mean, we see kids everywhere, and we, we, we find kids um, – in, in a variety of places, sometimes uh, an email is sent and something about, I mean, I get tons of emails and I'm not trying to encourage people, just drop me an email, you're a sixth grade kid. I've gotten those. I get those weekly. Uh, I don't look at those, but there are some times where, you know, hey, um, this kid's 6'3", 235, plays middle linebacker, had 115 tackles last year, you know, as a, as a sophomore, uh, doesn't have any looks. He's from the middle of nowhere, Missouri. 
yeah, I'll take a look at that film. You know what I mean? There's something about that that's worth checking out. That may be the first time I see a kid. So there's a, there's ways. I mean, we've found kids every which way. I found a kid playing uh, playing lacrosse one time, and and at my son's lacrosse game, thinking that kid would be an excellent. Found out he's a football prospect, or found out that he's a football player and would ultimately be a football prospect. So these are things that uh, continue to you know. Uh, it just happens a variety of ways, and and there's we don't we don't leave any leaf unturned. Oh, you know, not turned over. So when you do those first, I guess you rivals, thank goodness, we don't put out a list of like the uh, the top 100 freshmen and stuff. Thank God. When we first kind of ranked that junior class, what's what's that call like? Is it is it a it, it, how many how many of the people that are on the call have seen the kid in person? How much of the uh, how much how does that work? I mean, I know your your region sort of the Midwest. D- does your opinion on a Midwest kid? rank more than say you know rob cassidy's or 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 adam gorney's yeah so we have eight eight national analysts uh who all have different regions except for obviously mike farrell's a national analyst Uh, whoever is seeing that kid the most which is almost always the regional analyst is going to have the most weighted opinion and how his rating of you know pans out and and certainly even if let's say you know, there's a young kid. I haven't seen him yet in person, but he was at this camp in Florida, and and Rob Cassie did see him down there. You know, Rob may have, a, he'll have a lot of input on that kid, but because I know that situation, or I know the, you know, I've I'm the one that's gone through his film the most in depth and things like that. Uh, almost certainly, my my opinion will carry weight, but I definitely want to hear what Rob Cassidy has to say on a kid. And that's just not limited to the analysts either. I mean, I utilize the the people in my region anywhere from, you know, our team site guys, uh, you know, when, if we're talking about an Ohio kid, I'm talking with Mark Givler about every single Ohio kid. Uh, Mark covers the state of Ohio for us with Buckeye Grove. I'm going to talk to him about every single Ohio kid. And that gives me a different perspective. Now, at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. At the end of the day, I make the final call on that kid's rating as it relates to, you know, when I'm in that, in that, in that uh, meeting, um, not, you know, but I want to hear our team site guys, uh, and I want to hear other people that have seen this this kid play, including college coaches, including high school coaches, opposing high school coaches. I talk. Oh, I. I mean, there are valuable assets all across my region for me who I definitely want to hear what they have to say about the not only kids on their team, but probably even more so about the kids that they played against or the kids that they've seen in their city or state. Uh, that's all valuable information, and all of it is factored into his his rating, which, and I state this regularly in the, the Recruiting 101 series, is about just answering this question. Who will this prospect be at the next level? It's not who runs the fastest 40. It's not who has the most offers, because offers can be misleading. If you're a kid in Florida, uh, let's say you're, you're a prospect in Florida, kid in Minnesota has the exact same skill level and potential and ability as you do, who's getting more offers? Kid in Florida. More yeah. kid teams recruit there. If you're a quarterback and there's a wide receiver and the two of you are the exact same rating, who's going to have more offers? A wide receiver because most teams take four to five wide receivers in the class. They only take one quarterback. So offers are not the the you know the determining factor. It's who will this kid be? Same thing that scouts in the NFL draft are looking at. They're not looking at 
who ran the fastest 40 at the combine. They're not looking at who bench pressed the most. All those things are considered and taken into account. But at the end of the day, it's just to answer that question, who's going to give me the best value here for my pick? Or in the college football recruiting rankings terms, who's this player going to be at the next level? Has the, uh, you know, the, the camp series, when you guys get all over the country, you get to see these kids all over the place, has that made it easier or harder to – uh, to sort of rank kids, to evaluate kids. And, and you know where I'm kind of going with this. How do you balance seeing them in that environment where it's sort of like a combine, even though they do a lot of football things, but they're not in pads, they're not tackling, as opposed to, you know, actual film of, of actual 11-on-11 football, live contact, tackle to the ground, football? Yeah, in terms of does it help, I'm on the road. I'd be on the road every weekend in the spring anyway, if I, even if we didn't have the Rivals Camp Series. Um, you know, that's what we were doing before, and that's what we will do uh, into the future, Rivals Camp Series or not. And that's just because spring's a good time to get out and see a lot of guys. A lot of guys get their off-season workout, whether that's in camps or seven-on-sevens. Um, so I don't know if it's, you know, been a big influx obviously we have a little bit of control over what we get to see so we get to tailor it a little bit more towards what we want to see we get to match up the best on the best and so that's valuable and that's one thing i talked about in the most recent edition of the recruiting 101 series is that there are things that you can see in game on film that you can't see in person like the live one you know like the live 11 on 11 football you can't you can simulate that as best you can. You can't ever replicate it perfectly. But there are things you can see in a camp setting or at least in person that you can't really see on film. You know, movement skills is one of those things. You don't get the same appreciation for a kid's athleticism and ability and movement skills on film as you do when you see them in person. Frame. Frame's another thing that's a huge thing. I can look on film and get kind of a feel for how big he is or does he look like his listed height and weight. But when I see him in person, not only am I, you know, does his listed height and weight check out, but how's his frame built? I mean, we're talking about, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids who are still growing. You know, does he have the shoulders to be able to grow into, um, you know, an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle? You know, does he have that ability? Is his frame going to support the necessary growth to play his position at the next level? And then the other things that can't do, and I mentioned it earlier, is it gives you that ability to see Division One kids against Division One kids. If I go out to one of the toughest things for me to do is go out and see, even if I'm going to see them in person, a cornerback or a wide receiver in a high school game. Because number one, he's the kid across from almost always is not going to be a Division One caliber guy. And also, because of offensive scheme and things, you don't get a lot of, especially a cornerback, it does not get tested at the high school level. So you just don't get a lot of reps to evaluate a kid at. So there are benefits to both. Both are evaluated. People think that a kid has to go to a rivals camp to get a rating. No. In fact, the top 10 of the top 10 kids in the 2019 class, only half ever attended a rivals camp. Rivals camps are another opportunity to see a kid, but... If I saw a kid at the best of the Midwest camp, that was an opportunity too. And if that if the value coming out of that camp is the same as the value of, of seeing him at a rivals camp, those are those are just as valuable to me. Those are equally valuable to me as I as it relates to rankings and ratings. So we don't skew ratings towards did this kid attend a rivals camp or not. Uh, in and of itself, it doesn't affect ratings at all. 
it is an opportunity for see a kid. And the more we see a kid, the better our evaluation of him is going to be. How competitive is it? How difficult is it to get kids to the um, – I don't know if we've announced where it is this year, so I won't do that here and get anybody in trouble. But to get kids to the national competition, you've seen them in the Rivals Camp Series. You, you want to bring them in to the national competition in the summer to let the best players in the country go up against the other best players in the country. What's that process like? How tough is it? Um, how competitive is it to get those kids? Well, I'm going to announce it, so uh, let's let's announce it here on, on your podcast. And I think the official announcement will come out later this week. But uh, we're going back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, home of the Super Bowl, Atlanta, Georgia. And it's going to be that week of June 23rd. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, it just I thought it was a great host venue last year. And then you got to see the Super Bowl played in it, and then we get to go back again. So uh, Atlanta's been Atlanta and Baltimore have been the two most frequent host cities of the Five Star Challenge, and both of them uh, have been great. And I love going back to Atlanta. So yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, so it's, it's we shouldn't really compete with anybody. And and this year we made sure that the dates are different than you know kind of the primary other main national camp. Um, and so I, I think that. You know, it won't be as big of a problem. The bigger concern we or the bigger issue we run into uh, before we've had it where kids were still in, in school because some kids go later into June. So that was obviously that uh, took some kids off of the five star challenge. There was ACTs that kids had signed up for. Um, and obviously we're not going to tell a kid, no, don't take your ACT. Come come to the five star challenge. So we've lost kids due to that. We've lost a kid due to a wedding before you know he had a wedding schedule for a, a close family member so uh, but for the most part i mean this is what these kids go to the rivals camp for to get invited to the five-star challenge so uh it's one of my favorite things to do is call a kid and tell him you've been invited to the rivals 105 star challenge because you just feel that excitement on their end of the call uh, it's 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 certainly an opportunity. Uh, it's something that you mentioned, Laquan Treadwell. He was at the very first Rivals 105 Star Challenge that was held in Atlanta, Georgia. I think that was 2000, the summer of 2013. Yeah. And uh, that had Ruben Foster in it, that OJ Howard in it, Christian Hackenberg. That was an odd. Jalen Smith was at that one. That was an awesome camp. I mean, tons of talent. And the funny thing about that, we did that at a high school stadium. And that, that still brought kids out. One thing is interesting about these top kids, they want to compete. They want to test themselves against the best. So that opportunity, even though we didn't have a stadium like Mercedes-Benz to, to host it at, still brought out. We hit on a very high number of guys that we invited because of that opportunity to show you are among the top 100 in the country. When you come out with an initial ranking, how married to it are you? Well, at the end of the day, you know, people think that, um, you know, we ha we play politics with rankings. The only thing we're politically attuned to is being right. At the end of the day, I want I don't want somebody to come back to me four years later when a kid I rated two stars gets drafted in the first round. I don't want that. You know what I mean? I don't I want to be right. And that's unanimous throughout our entire analyst team. Uh, people think that if you commit to this school or that school, that affects it. Doesn't just doesn't. We don't have that conversation in our rankings meetings. We didn't say, "Well, this kid committed here, so he's probably got it." It just doesn't happen. And we got to see it with our own eyes. And that's something that you know, 
there's a kid in, in Michigan right now who probably has every major offer he could get. But, and, and we have him right now as a five, seven, three star. I'm taking a lot of heat on that. The thing is, I've seen this kid in person. There were several questions that came up that I need to get answered before um, he moves up any further. And we'll see him, I think, this upcoming weekend at the Cincinnati Rivals camp. But there were questions that those questions haven't been answered still. I'm not going to move him up just because he's blowing up with offers. I'm going to move him up if my future evaluations of that say that this kid needs to be moved up. That and that alone. So, um Mayor, you know, once a kid, once a ranking comes out initially, we're willing to move it to make sure we're right. Just because one kid started out, let's say a five, six, three star, another kid started out as a five, eight, four star. If our future evaluations say those need to flip, then they flip. So it's never something that, you know, um, we we're married to for the sake of, you know, we don't want to move a kid up too fast or too far. I mean, honestly, we, we take what our evidence or our evaluations are saying to us and put that kid in that in that position. Um, I, I do want to get on the five-star challenge because I think it's fascinating because you get to see the best players in the country go against the best players in the country. Yet, at the same time, it's, you know, it's just one and a half days or two days. Do you have to be careful not to put too much weight on those performances? I mean, is it hard to keep that in context when maybe you see – you know, a kid that you had ranked as a, a high four-star or a low five-star or whatnot sort of get dominated one day by another guy. And I know it doesn't always happen like that, but, you know, it can. A kid has a bad day. Do you do you have to sort of balance the, hey, I know what I saw, but now these are humans and he might have just been overwhelmed by the moment or had a bad day or maybe he had a little bit of an injury that he didn't disclose to us. How do you sort of factor all of those things in? Yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about, the camp situation, too. A camp can only simulate football. Uh, it can't fully do it. I think some some drills do a very good job of showing you what a kid is capable of. I mean, even offensive line one-on-one drills, even though they're not wearing pads, you know, they're still doing exactly what they'd be doing on the field just without pads. And pads, you know, protect you more. So it's not like they're um, – they're not, you know, you know, I mean, it's not like you're getting less of a, a look at it. I mean, uh, so, I mean, there are some things that are, are very valuable and there are other things that aren't. You can't uh, running backs and linebackers. There's not near as much to evaluate a running back and a linebacker off of in a camp setting as you could in a game. Whereas wide receivers and quarterbacks, there's quite a bit. To, and like I said, in a lot of instances, going to see them in the game isn't real valuable because they just don't get thrown at a lot. They don't get worked into the game plan enough. They're not going against good talent. So, yeah, but if we drop a kid or move a kid up 50 spots coming off the five-star challenge, people think, oh, you're overreacting to a one day. When in reality, that's a 1% to 2% move as it relates to just all FBS prospects. So I think people look at that because they're all – you know, ranked in the Rivals 100 or Rivals 250, that, you know, any shift gets magnified, too, by the fans who are watching it, thinking that these are huge moves for a kid, when really it's more of a tweak. If you're talking about a move of 50 or 75 spots, that's, that's like 2%. That's like a 2% move um, compared to where they were at previously. So I wrote in that Recruiting 101 series um, last week, the best, the best evaluation uh, event for us is the winter all-star games, the all-American bowl in San Antonio and the Under Armour game in 
um, Orlando. Because it is 11-on-11 full football. It is Division One against Division One, and not just Division One, but the best of the best, top, you know, 200 to 300 or so prospects in the class. And it also is over a week, so we get to see practices and the game. In all, that hits the most, that checks the most boxes in terms of what you want on an evaluation opportunity. Um, the the five star challenge is a great op- evaluation opportunity, um, but that those winter all star games are the best um, individual evaluation opportunities that we get that we have the ability to uh to utilize you mentioned that i was going to ask because i know people in the the audience listening audience would like to hear this and you you have i've always thought one of the more reasonable takes of all the people what did you think of jerry and ely at the uh at the i guess it was the game in florida (laughs) well i was down and covering the san antonio the all-american bowl in san antonio so i was watching it as i'm trying to type up our content for the day so i didn't get a chance to see much of him Uh, you know obviously i'm seeing individual plays here and there i'm seeing the highlights so i don't know that it definitely wasn't a conversation that i was a part of in that rankings meeting because we had four guys who were on scene there saw him the whole week at camp and i wasn't on scene and saw him on tv while i was writing up an article so that's one of those situations where you had a lot of people get a chance to evaluate him and a lot of different points of views if i start popping up about you know the four plays i got a chance to see him make while he was on television, while I was writing an article, that's not a very valuable contribution. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, that's and that's kind of an example of what I think is interesting to hear because there's there's always I think this belief among fans because they just you know rankings are re- represent bragging rights at a time of the season when there are no games, and so rankings become this big deal. And um, I'm not saying they shouldn't be a big deal. I just sometimes think people have a tendency to uh, what's the word? Kind of over obsess over them because the difference, yeah. the difference between a five point nine player and a five point eight player is really not much. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it, it's, it, it's regardless, you're getting a good player, and with a guy like Ely, people say, well, should he have been ranked higher or whatever? It's, you know, you're getting, you know, what you're seeing, you know, you're getting a good player. You should just be pleased, in my opinion. I, but, but I don't know. Anyway, so I want to get your thoughts on. You and I haven't talked about this before. Maybe we talked about it once kind of off the not being recorded. This early signing period, has it changed the – the uh, and, it's, and it's now – I think it's become the main signing period. Has it changed the recruiting calendar in terms of rankings and that kind of thing for you guys so that you can maybe – I mean, as you can't because they see the All-Star games. Does it affect the way that you, that you do rankings, the timetable that you do rankings? Uh, well, as a side note, I'll, I'll let you know, too, the final Recruiting 101 series article will be out this week, and that's what it's on. It's on the signing periods. Um, but it doesn't really factor into the rankings process. The rankings calendar is built around evaluation periods. So the spring camp season is an evaluation period. The summer camp season is an evaluation period. Uh, in-season games, you know, junior season, senior season, that's an evaluation period. Winter, all-star games, that's an event. So those haven't been affected by the early signing period. And so they haven't, the rankings meetings, the ranking process hasn't really been affected by that. Um, You know, I think we're going to see in the future, a decrease in the number of players who will be participating in these winter all-star games. Now that, you know, schools have them signed and have a little bit more control over what they're doing. So I think coaches are going to exercise some, 
leverage to get these kids not to play in these games in the future. And that will hurt. Cause as I mentioned, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you know, there's a total of about 200 kids who play in it. They're still going to get 200 division one guys, uh, power five caliber guys, essentially to play in these games. But will it be the top 100 against the top 100 for the next 10 years? I think you'll see a decrease in that as teams start to, um, exercise some leverage over these early signers. But in terms of rankings, the early signing period hasn't really adjusted how we go about the rankings process. When you, uh, when you watch the NFL draft, it starts on Thursday. People are going to hear this on Wednesday. When, uh, when you watch the NFL draft as a national recruiting analyst, is it are, – are you – I, I would think you could sort of see it completely differently. You see it, it – you're watching and saying, yep, called that one. Maybe I missed that one. How did we miss that one? Let's talk about why we missed that one. We got this one dead on. Is that – can you even enjoy it or is it almost a um, – a, a a exam uh, grade coming in yeah no i still do enjoy it i mean i've always been a fan of the nfl draft uh, like you mentioned off-season football there weren't a whole lot of things to get excited about before kind of year-round recruiting came about but the nfl draft always was that thing even before it was televised on four different networks i was plugged in and tuned into it so yeah i i still enjoy it um when we evaluate and like i said that question who is this player going to be at the next level that first and foremost to me, is, to me means who is this player going to be in college? In the back of my mind, I am holding, you know, I am looking at some things like, you know, how does he long term project to the NFL? But if you were to retroactively rank, let's say, a Jason White quarterback at Oklahoma, how would you rate him? If you, what was the correct rating for Jason White coming out of high school? I actually don't remember what he was rated if we rate him anything, but Jason White was a Heisman Trophy winner. Jason White did not get drafted by the NFL. So if you look at him as a college player, he's a Heisman Trophy winner. That's a, that should have been a five-star prospect. But he didn't get drafted in the NFL. That's kind of like a three-star prospect or a two-star prospect. Which should he have been rated? So for me, I err on the side of the college, you know, what his college career is because that's the first question I'm answering when I'm saying who's this player going to be at the next level. Um, but I think that's an extreme example. More of these guys do match up that way. I, you know, there have been analyses done where rivals looks pretty good when you go back and look at it. And then you also consider we're evaluating guys while they're in high school, still developing minimal tape, you know, NFL scouts miss, I think 20% of all starters were undrafted free agents. So they're missing at least 80% of the time sure. and they get four years of college and fully grown athletes to evaluate. So I, I'm never – I mean, look, listen, TJ Hawkinson's going to be drafted in the first round almost certainly out of Iowa. He was a kid I evaluated and rated a 5.53 star. We missed on TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, I don't like – I don't like when that happens, but I'm happy for the kid. I'm glad I'm, – I, hey, he, uh, he had something I didn't see. I want to learn from that as well. I want to say, okay, what didn't I see? And, and certainly if you look at – I mean, I look at it, and I, I doubt anybody else uh, is looking at it because they don't know who has the time to do that. But I welcome anybody that wants to. My abilities as an evaluator, and I've really been doing it for the entire 16 years I've been with Rivals, even when I wasn't the frontline evaluator, I was contributing my thoughts and recommendations to the analysts. Um, my abilities as an evaluator have certainly grown and evolved and I'm better today than at any point earlier because it's important to me 
And like I said, more than anything with ratings is I want to be right. I mean, that's the number one thing that motivates me. I want to deliver a good product for our community. I want to deliver a good product. That's all part of this. And, and to do that, I have to be right. I have to be correct as much as is physically possible. I understand uh, this is an unscientific process. This is sub a subjective evaluation. There is no way to objectively evaluate uh, college football talent. It is a subjective evaluation, and I'm not going to get it perfect, but I want to get as close to perfect as is absolutely possible within our industry. And so that's what I always strive for. And so I like the draft for the process of looking back and saying, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely puffed my chest out when we hit on a on a guy, you know. Uh, Laquan Treadwell was a five-star, went on to be a Bolitnikoff Award winner. Yeah, we, we hit that. I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah. Uh, but we miss on guys, too, and TJ Hawkinson's going to be a miss for me this year. And not only am I going to go to the Iowa Hawkeye board and, and eat some crow there, but uh, I want to look at that and say, what did I miss in his evaluation coming out of high school? So I don't miss later on down the road. You may have just answered this. Is there is there one or two guys that you're most proud of when you go, hey, I, I, I rated that kid really high as a junior or sophomore or whatever, and, and there you have it. And is there, and it may be the one coming up Thursday, the tight end from Iowa, but is there one where you go, man, I, I missed that one? You know, there's, so there's a guy, um, yeah, so I want to go back because, uh, and now, I mean, honestly, when these guys, when these guys commit, I end up totally forgetting their names and everything, but these guys, I shouldn't ever forget their names, but the quarterback who is on hard knocks out of Eastern Michigan, Brogan Robach, Brogan Robach was a guy that we rated as a four star and he went to Eastern Michigan, did not get a power five offer. And we stuck with him as a four star. And if you look at him, he didn't get drafted, but he was, you know, um, undrafted free agent picked up and really is that five, seven, five, eight, right. You know, if you were to re retroactively grade him, um, that would have been, I was very pleased with, um, that evaluation because not many people had him as a, you know, that highly rated, especially considering he never, uh, you know, picked up a power five offer and the four star is certainly a power five rating for a kid. So, um, that's one where I look back at and um, I'm, I, I think we did a pretty good job there. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, there's a lot of pressure in that situation to to dump a guy or bring a guy down. And sure. I just don't care. At the end of the day, I'm going to look at who do I think he's going to be at the next level. As for a guy I missed on, and they're like Hawkinson. I mean, when I look back on it, I mean, it's not like he had a bunch of offers and we rated him a, a, a 5.53 star. No, he had only, he, I think he might have only had Iowa as an offer. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, there, I don't know if there's a ton. Noah Fance, another guy who uh, we raised a 5.73 star, but he was really a defensive end transitioning into tight end. He's probably going to go in the first round out of Iowa again this year. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm not. I understand why I rated him there. You know what I mean? There was a lot of question marks around him, even for Iowa. You know, he was transitioning between positions. Could he, did he really have the ball skills to play tight end? He hadn't fully grown into his frame yet. He was kind of undersized for tight end. So uh, we recognize a lot of things with him, but, you know, I'm not really worried about that. Devin Funches, though, is a kid that, to answer your question, uh, coming out of high school, I saw him now he plays, I think he still plays for Carolina, but has had a pretty solid NFL career and was definitely should have been a, a four star, probably a high four star caliber 
uh, rating, but he was we rated him as a 5.7, a high three star. And and it really goes back to like you know they said in the uh, the report coming out of 9/11, a failure of imagination. I saw Devin Funches as being a flex tight end and didn't see him being able to split out and do the things he was able to do at college and the NFL as a wide receiver. He was projected as a tight end. He played tight end in high school. He went to college and had the suddenness and had the ability to be an outside wide receiver. That's where I should have seen that, and I missed that. That's what gets me more bothered about a miss is when I recognize what I didn't see and, um, you know, should have seen it when he was coming out. It's fascinating stuff. I really appreciate the time. I know that uh, a lot of people are, are – interested to hear sort of the, the curtain pulled back and i've enjoyed the series and look forward to the last installment thanks for the time josh thanks for having me bud that's josh himholt of uh, rivals.com our thanks to josh for his time today on the soft verbal podcast that does it for today's show we'll be back next week we'll update uh recruiting not sure exactly what the plan is uh, we'll try to get russell johnson on here one of the next couple of weeks to update what's going on in Ole Miss recruiting, and we'll continue to take some big picture looks as we're in the early process, uh, early stages of uh, the recruiting process, the evaluation process going on in, in football and uh, in men's basketball as well. So we'll touch on those topics and more on the next edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. Until then, take care.